0: You know, I also recognise that I have a freedom that I've never had in my life now and I can build my business in a way I couldn't build my business, not for me anyway. I appreciate somebody different, different, but, you know, I wanted to be there for sports days and gym club and recitals and concerts.
1: Welcome back to Everyday Leadership. And today's episode is one you do not want to miss. Ever since I slid into her DMs, I did ask her husband if I did that. I knew and I've been looking forward to having this great conversation with my guests. She came with the fire, which is not a surprise because she is a sought after global speaker. She's a host, she's a trainer, she's an executive coach, subordinate. a board member, she works with clients such as Salesforce, Investitech, Sainsbury's, MC&C Saatchi, Virgin O2. She's also a founder of the Compass Club that we talk about, so you learn more about that. And the co-founder of Q Squared Limited, Madeline McQueen came with the heat as we delve into how talking is one of her superpowers. Even though from a young age, she was told, hush, stop talking, you talk too much. Yet she utilised that skill to carve out the career she has today. We talk about how she made millions in sales in a heavily male dominated world. That she had to go through bullying, toxic culture, but yet she rose to the top. She was at like the pinnacle of a game, but she chose to walk away. Learn about how important it is to have an adventurous spirit. A lot of times, ladies are all talking about, I wanna be an independent woman, i an independent woman. Madeline's been married for, I think it's 26 years. She's been in her for about 33 years. So she was the perfect person to ask that question around what does it mean to be independent in a relationship? What does it mean to be interdependent in a marriage? And she even talks about how marriage is one of the biggest and best self-development spaces and places you can operate in. We talk about how low-hanging fruit is often rotten, why you need to pay attention to all the cost areas in your life, because there's always a cost for something. The Compass Club we delve into, legacy. Should you leave money for your kids? As you're branding and working hard, is it the right thing to leave money for your kids? We delve into that. Her an answer, I really really love and of course what is leadership let's jump straight into this episode just sit back and relax take it all in soak it up you're gonna love this if you got any feedback just hit me up Hello, UK. I really want to hear how you found this episode welcome to everyday leadership it's
0: Madeline McQueen. Whoop, whoop in the house. Yes. Yeah, in the super. house. Don't take every one of those accolades. Because right <laughs>
1: <now. laughs> <laughs> you you're owning. You can do that, you know. Well, like, own, uh,
0: it's not you, what? you know. No lights told, it's the truth. So I'm gonna take it. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: It's an absolute pleasure, you know. We had David on, it was a warm up act. I was just talking, you,
0: know <laughs> Shady, you know that in that group, he's going to be at you. Oh, damn.
1: Now, the rule though, like the work that you do is, is absolutely amazing. What I didn't mention is obviously you're the founder of the Compass Club. You've co-founder of Q Squared Limited as well. And I really wanted to have you on just to hear about you and, and your story. People tend to see what you do now and see the amazing things, the amazing clients you're working with, but they don't understand where, where all that came from and how you've navigated. So let's go back to
0: a young
1: Madeline, teenage
0: Madeline. Oh, teenage Madeline. All right. So I was going to go back. Teenage one. Madeline. <laughs> oh, let's go. On, let's go. Let's <laughs> go. So I was born in the year. I'm a sunshine baby. I was born in July 1969. Yeah, black don't crack. And I'm the youngest of six girls. My mum from Barbados, my dad from Antigua. They used to call us the Amazon children because my dad was very much about us being able to look after ourselves. And I remember, you know, one of my, I don't know if it was me or one of my sisters got hit by some guy at school. And my dad was like, you've got hands. <laughs> that was kind of like, that was his advice, right? My mum was a bit of a warrior that she, you know, my dad owned his own business. He like shared a business as a mechanic. My mum was in the NHS as a nurse and, you know, moved on through nursing into being a matron of a, an old people's home for the blind. And she used to take us and they were like, oh, Hazel's girls are here kind of thing. And so, we were always used to being around older people. We grew up Seventh-day Adventist mm-hmm. and that shaped a lot of my life. I'm not anymore. Only one in my family. Renegade. And being the youngest meant being having to have a voice and having to fight to be heard from six other, you know, five other independent kind of women being brought up to be independent women. And um, My dad died when I was 10. He fell ill on a Saturday night and died on the Thursday just all of a sudden and that completely changed my world and my mum then became really you know she was like you girls need to be independent because you never know what's going to happen so you know we she made sure we knew how to change a light bulb change a plug you know do all the stuff and plus we used to go to uh, my father's mechanic workshop and go and help out on a Sunday so we were kind of really taught to be quite practical in that respect School was interesting. Obviously, all of my sisters had been through school before me. Yep. So that was an interesting experience. In all honesty, I don't think I did as well as I could have done, but I talked a lot because that's just, as you could tell, that's just me. And my mum was great though, because like I was bullied by, and uh, funny enough, one of the only other black people in the school and a black guy. And he was like six foot two, built like a brick shit house. And he used to bully me all the way home. And my mum, she she taught me something. There's two things she used to do. One, she would write a letter. If your teacher said anything that was out of it, she would write a letter. And that letter would be on an A4 piece sheet of paper, which she would form into an envelope in itself, right on the front of it. and So they had to work out how to open it before they could even read it. Lugged that, did that for my children. And Why? (laughs) It's just fabulous to do, right? Because you're going to have to work out how to open the cuss in. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing was, my mother had a solicitor from day dot. And so when that happened to me, my mum was like, called up. Let me just tell you something. Tell your son to back off my daughter. Otherwise, my solicitor will be involved. End it <laughs> It ended she would just get contact the solicitor and say deal with this and i loved that i've never forgotten that and she advocated for us in school so one of my teachers uh, told me in front of the class that my handwriting was just as bad as the rest of my sisters my mother sent one of the letters and i had an apology in front of the entire class wow um You're yeah
1: so she good that day though
0: Oh, that, that felt it felt good. so good. Uh, so she did not play, and, and and I think that that's really shaped me, for sure. My father died, you know, we had four other houses apart from our own house, because he was very much about buying houses to ensure that his children had houses, all about legacy. We didn't keep them in the end just because well, after my dad died, it was just a lot for my mum to manage. But there are messages that came about being entrepreneurial and looking after yourselves and being able to step up. And church was like that too, in the sense of, you know, it was education, education. I I saw every weekend, I saw doctors, I saw teachers, business owners, people who had levels of leadership. So it was never for me, I never ever felt like I was othered in that respect. I was othered, don't get me wrong, but it's like a bubble that it bounces off because you know what your reality is. So these are the things that have really shaped me. I didn't go to university because I just knew I would talk too much and <laughs> maybe not come out with a degree. So I went to the School of uh, Hard Knocks uh, and I worked. I, I did some. I did through college McDonald's, which was a fantastic learning experience. Worked for an insurance agency, and then I, I had met David, and he lived in London. I lived in uh, Leicester, and so. I made the move without a job, got a job within two weeks, somewhere to live, and ended up in sales. I came out as the ideal salesperson. And so I sold financial products for a while, and then I changed job and moved into IT sales. Corporate sales, selling the entire remit, closed the biggest deal the company had ever had, 2 million with Schlumberger, 2 million a year. I then, in there, there as well, sold the most, that year, 2K. I sold the most achievable laptops in the country. Uh, They sent me and Dave off to Dubai. And so sales, I was really, I mean, like I was on the climb, I was going and then I had a miscarriage. And then I was like, "Okay, I'm going to, this is really super stressful. It is very much a boys club and I'm going to stop and take care of the child I already had. So, yeah, so, and then that's kind of what what my career ended up when I was climbing. You know, I had a team responsible for 14 million revenue, bringing it in, hitting targets, all of that kind of stuff. Had 10 people to look after. So, yeah, that was me then.
1: The move from hometown Leicester with your family to London, how easy was that for you?
0: Pretty easy. I'm a bit of a risk taker in that respect. And I just think life is to be lived. So I was like, look, I'm with this guy. He is, we've been together for, so I, I moved after four years of us being together. And I was like, there's a whole world out there. I've always had this thing. There's a whole world out there. So why not? Let me go for it. Let me just give it a go. My mum was like, hmm, you take the streets, it's perfect, with go and <laughs> Down in London town, not a kiss, and I was like, "Mom, I know it's not paved with gold." I've actually been to London. Uh, <laughs> it could be traumatic in that respect, but uh, because obviously you don't want to disappoint your parents, I knew I needed to do something different. I didn't want to disappoint my mum, but I, I've always had that adventurous spirit in that respect. And obviously, growing up 7 Day Adventist, I grew up pretty limited. In all honesty, we had lots of experiences. Don't get me wrong, but there are also lots of limitations.
1: And how did you get to that stage where you didn't let those, you said you were very adventurous, but if you're growing up in limitations around you in that particular environment where that's what you know, you didn't let those limitations become your limitations limitation, you didn't internalise them, you pushed through them. How did you develop that way of looking at life when your environment was different?
0: I think, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Well, There's a picture of me, and I must be about four or five, and I'm in this, back then, obviously, (laughs) the 70s, in this little skirt, blue skirt, with this piping on it, and then a little, uh, (laughs) what's it called? Oh, God, it's like a um, waistcoat. It was a waistcoat and and a blouse. got my shoes on, my socks to my knees, and my hair's combed, and I'm kind of standing, leaning to the side, and they used to say, this one's been down here before. And I, I I, don't know, I think I've always been a bit cheeky. I've always said what I thought. And I've always thought there was more. So I don't know. I think it's just a case of I have to make a choice. And so when my dad died as well, you know, I also recognised that things change. Life changes Um, things happen that you don't expect I I call it like life throws you curveballs and you have to choose how you're going to deal with those curveballs and you can either sit and stay stuck or you can get your back out bat them off and do something else that's always been my mentality and so although yes there were those restrictions growing up with five other women and then my mom and that push for She was always telling us we need to be able to take care of ourselves, we need to be independent. I think that just mostly triggered something in me of, okay, well, if that's the case, then I've got to do things on my terms.
1: You are independent. You're doing things on your own terms. You move, you're already with David for four years. But now, especially in this day and age, I think there's a confusion between... Independence and interdependence Mm -hmm. where you get people like I'm independent therefore I need to be everything by myself I don't need no one but it's like actually that's not how you kind of get through life so how do you how would you explain the difference between being independent and being interdependent i.e. being in relationship with someone but still be able to have your own independence and not necessarily have to do everything by yourself either
0: so I, I saw a diagram once that I thought explained this perfectly and basically it's two circles And David is a circle, an independent person in his own right. I am a circle, an independent person in my own right. And those circles collide, or not collide, but they overlap. And there is a part that's overlaps, but we still maintain who we are. And that's how I see our relationship. And that's how independent, interdependent relationships work. (laughs) right because you need to be who you are the work is on you it's not I think the thing for me about marriage is that I think it's the biggest self-development journey that you'll ever go on it's not about changing the other person it is about becoming your best person you know for you and for your relationship and it's not about I think this is a big confusion which is about I can change him or I can change her no actually you can't change anybody but yourself I think once you get with that programme, everything changes. And I've always believed that relationships are about back-to-back against the world. You know, the two of you, back-to-back against the common goals. And even if you have slightly different goals, it's being able to support each other in those goals. That's what's important. So for me, independent, that the completely independent still leaves you on your own, trying to do everything. Interdependence is about working together to get where you both want to go that's how i see it but you need to have your own uniqueness you know where this diagram goes wrong is when people try to put the circles on top of each other which means that somebody's gotta disappear Mm. and the other person then is forefront and you're not supposed to be some kind of mix up of each other that's not how it works. Not effectively, anyway.
1: Yeah, people percent agree. I always say that. I think a lot of times people think when you come into marriage in particular, it's supposed to be, like you say, it's half and half and 50 50. I'm to actually, no. I see it personally as it's one plus one equals to two. So I'm whole, my wife's whole, we come together, with two. If I'm at 0.5 and she's at 0.5, we're only making one rather than making two. Mm. So I need to have my independence. Mm which is that self-awareness and knowing that and then we combine and that makes us a stronger force to be able to take on the world together. Absolutely.
0: Love it. It's the truth. And I think that, you know, we work together. We <laughs> we are dependent and interdependent within our business, right, as well, because we have different skill sets and different abilities. And whilst we are both coaches and we both train and we both speak, the truth of the matter is, is that we do it in different ways. And so we should.
1: You're bringing your uniqueness to your craft. And that's what people buy into.
0: Yeah. You know, David doesn't have a background in sales. I do. Mm. I don't have a background in accounting. He does. Can I understand it? Yes. But actually, I don't need to try and take it all over and try and do everything myself. Let let him deal with that. If he drops the ball, then I'll come in and try and pick it up. But the truth of the matter is, is let's play to our strengths.
1: Words of wisdom. You measured around how in that sales career was very male dominated, yet you were you were at the top. What are some of the learnings or lessons or wisdom that you can share with someone who is navigating a sales or a male-dominated world that you can from your experience?
0: So the first phrase that just came to my mind was hold your corner. Uh, <laughs> and I'll also say numbers speak. Numbers, your numbers speak for you. So in that kind of male sales dominated environment, do your work your way. Don't try to do it their way. Do it it your way. The reason why I did very well was because I'm personable. And so I would engage with the person like I could have a 25 minute conversation and that might actually be me being their agony art. And at the end I was like, so do you want those laptops? Yeah, okay, I'll have them, right? (laughs) People buy from people they like. That's the truth of it. We've all had that experience where we didn't quite like the salesperson and so we didn't buy the product. Or we liked the salesperson. We weren't even sure about the product, but because of the way that they were, we kind of wanted to buy it. Right? So that's a really important lesson. And I think if you get it in your head all about it's male-dominated, it's male-dominated, it's male-dominated, then what happens is that becomes your focus. Make your clients your focus. And when you make your clients your focus, nobody can touch you on the numbers. That makes the biggest difference and speak your truths. And it is hard to speak your truths sometimes, but sometimes you've got to call it out and then find your allies, you know, who they may be in different departments. One of the problems a lot of people have is that the only client they engage with is their external client and they treat everybody internally like, you know, you're here to serve me. Actually, if you treat finance or procurement, or if you have built good relationship with them, then actually what happens is they support your sales. And so again, supporting your number, nobody can argue with your numbers. You're only as good as last week's sales
1: as good as lost ourselves, we could really touch on there's that distinction between rather than watching what everyone else does, you need to do you in your own way. Yeah. Because especially if if you're a female, for example, and you're watching everyone else in the male-dominated world, you're a female trying to act like a yeah. male and I that doesn't want to make a good it's sense. Not even However, that I, that's what you tend to do because you're like, well, I need to be like them, I need to act like them if I want to get ahead. But you're proof that actually, you know, when I'm leaning into my strengths and areas where men might be thinking, oh, I might have a conversation with someone about their life for? <laughs> you know, what I mean, that's, that's how you're getting in because you're getting to know the person. And then them, was like, oh, this person's been great talking to me, yeah, but do, I'll do what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where we go wrong, which is when we try to emulate something that we are not. And we're very poor versions of other people, which then impacts our, you know, self-esteem, our self-confidence, the apostasy, all of it. And actually, if we're authentically us, it makes a difference. Look, I will deliver and I'll make a mistake or I'll notice, oh, damn it. That word is spelled wrong. That sentence is the wrong way around. And I got somebody to check it, right? Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to own it. I'm going to say, do you know what, guys? I'm really sorry. That's wrong. What it's supposed to say is this. I will deal with that. Moving on. You know why? Because I've dealt with it. I don't need to now spend all my time thinking, what are they thinking about that? Obviously, I made a mistake. Oh, did they notice it? No, I called it out. And now we've taken all the sting out of it and we can move on. I think that's the most in one of the most important things that we can do. To air is human, but we've lost that somewhere along the line in our attempt to be perfect. Well, there is no perfectionism. There's just hum- being a human being who falls down all the time. Just look at the toddler trying to walk. They don't make a big thing of it. They just get back up and get on.
1: And We praise them.
0: We praise them.
1: Be like little, little steps in praise them and they fall back down and you're like, Oh come on and keep like like we keep on encouraging them. Like you said, yeah. as we get older, that's not what happens. It's fall down and instead of getting praise or someone opening up, you're the opposite. Yeah. It just keeps you down and just like I don't want to get up. I just wanna stay here because it feels much safer than trying to get back up again.
0: Yeah. So own the mistakes. You know, I say I've put my big pants on. And I'm going to own the mistakes, right? I do get things wrong. I might say the sentence is the wrong way around. Can I stop and go, or I might talk too fast. Can I stop and go, guys, I'm talking too fast. Let me just slow down a moment here. And it just takes all the pressure off. But also it allows, you know, I have this quote up here, you know, which is the Marianne Williamson quote. And it's like, you know, when we when we do that, we give other people permission to do that. They go, oh, she just done a mistake and it wasn't a biggie. Might try that next time, you know? Yeah, I just think too often we're trying to be what somebody else tells us we should be yeah. and that somebody else isn't even doing that themselves.
1: That's so true. When do you know when it's time to walk away? I mean, you yeah, the miscarriage that you talked about, but even there are times when we go through situations like that in our lives where we're like, well... I'm still at the pinnacle of my career, but you chose to be like, actually, you know what, I see this as a sign for me to focus on, on the child that I have and move into a different lane, a different chapter in my life. So how do you know when it's t- at time to, to do something like you did?
0: I think my big question you have to ask yourself is, at what cost? What is this costing me to continue? There were points, my boss was a bit abusive, <laughs> And I got changed, boss. But, you know, there were points in my career where I would come home and I couldn't talk. Couldn't talk to my child, couldn't talk to my husband because I was so stressed. Wake up stressed in the night, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I've, I've been through being bullied at work. I've been through... You know, being left out of meetings and everybody make decisions in the pub because I didn't go to the pub. I was at the Adventist. I didn't go to the pub, right? So, decisions decisions that were made in meeting today made, you know, they go to the pub and suddenly it's all out of your favor, right? And there comes a point where you have to say, okay, whose life is this anyway? On whose terms? And how much more am I willing to take? Am I willing? My question was, am I willing to lose another child? Because I got pregnant straight away. Am I li- willing to lose another child because of the stress of this job? What's the cost? Am I willing for my my oldest daughter, to, who is about to go into school, am I willing for her to you know, still be with childminders, dropping off, picking up and not seeing her till, say, seven o'clock eight in the evening because uh, of the way I work? No. And I think you have to stop counting your costs because there's more costs than financial costs. There are relationship costs. There is your mental health costs. There are so many other different costs that go into that. You know, I work with a lot of women who've got very small children and are working heavy hours, you know, big jobs and it's like for them it's like okay this is what i do want to do i still want to do this in this way I, I there's no shade for them at all so then it's about okay well what are you willing to do what are you not willing to do what's the support that you need in order for you to be able to maintain this because it is about there are always costs whether you believe it or not there is a cost and somebody is paying that cost <laughs>
1: Were you able to analyse this for yourself or did you have other people around you who could either speak life into you or you could have this conversation and be like, actually, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm starting to recognise the cost of this is not necessarily worth it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a women's group, but really where this came from, I, I spoke to David, I mean, David and I, we had been together for 33 years coming up for 34 years so he's like my best mate and I had that conversation with him but I, I knew within myself I'm pretty self-knowing so I in myself I was like I'm not going to lose another child for this organisation I left before Matt leave I literally went back to work gave three months notice and I was out of there because and some people say you need to stay for Matt leave well that was a stupid move and yeah Yeah. I stayed home for a while and I worked for myself and yeah, I absolutely ruined my credit rating, (laughs) but I know my kids, you know, and I know what I wanted for me. And I think I've always been that self-knowing person, sometimes to my detriment, sometimes your self-knowing can end up eroding your self-confidence. But for me, I was counting costs at that time and I knew the cost was too high for me to stay in work. So we discussed it and I made that decision. Went in, bam, here you go, I'm out of here.
1: The cost of doing something, as crazy as it sounds, it's not something that comes up high on people's list of when they're thinking about their life. Yeah. I mean, the last, the last years have been interesting where a lot of conversation have been like, oh, the different resignations have happened. But fundamentally it's come down to people being able to just take a step back and look at is the cost of what I'm doing, whether I'm getting on a plane, whether it's a title I have, whether it's money I'm earning, is it worth the sacrifice I have for not being able to see my family mm-hmm. or know my wife because that's, that's a, or my husband, cause that's a complete stranger to, to me or even for my own health. Like being around, not being around certain people where you're being gaslit or toxic cultures just feels so good. So now people like to take a step back and count that cost of, is this really worth it? But it's not always an easy thing to do, especially in the moment when you've got family to provide for. And you might have a great job where it's bringing you lots of money. So you've even got the financial costs to to think about as well. And those things are like, "Mm, I'll just keep on sacrificing and keep on going but like you said, at what? At what cost?
0: Yeah. I mean, I earned really good money, you know, and this is like 2001. I earned great money in 2001. You know, I was on a basic club bonus doing 120% of salary, uh, sorry, as of Target, you know. So uh, I, I was in a really good position at that time. But again, you get to the point where you go, money isn't everything. And what I've recognised is, yeah, I gave those years to my kids. I was working, building, you know, doing consulting and coaching and bits and bobs of supporting David in the business and and, and his speaking and training career. And, you know, but I was around, like, I ran the PTA. I was on the governing body. I, I couldn't help myself. It's just part of my personality, you know, did the most... sales (laughs) sales <laughs> for the BTA ever uh, <laughs> yes so, but you know I also recognize that I have a freedom that I've never had in my life now and I can build my business in a way I couldn't build my business it's not for me anyway I appreciate somebody different different but you know I wanted to be there for sports days and gym club and recitals and concerts and all of those sorts of things i wanted to be around for that and david and i made a pact that we would one of us would be around at all times right so if he didn't go i went if i didn't go he went or both of us went we never wanted to be leave our kids to be that one child we've seen it who's dude, nobody came mm. nobody came to see them so that was our priority People's priorities are different, you know, so I don't, as again, people will do what they need to do for them. But for me, I counted a different kind of cost and the cost was, what does that mean for my children? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for my relationship? Because I can earn money later on if I need to. And, you know, we have a very successful business and the freedom that's come with our children being older, what we're capable of being able to do is phenomenal. It's limitless.
1: I think it's, um, it's interesting how a skill you had when you were at school, which was talking, is a skill that you've used all the way throughout from being in sales to being in sales in the PTA to even what you do right now. And which I find that interesting is that so many times, especially in a young age, where whether or not you're smart, whether you're not, you might not get the grades, but where There are skills and talents that we have that are told that's nothing. That's something you should ignore. We keep those sides of us under a, I'm going to say under a bushel, we keep them quiet, but actually there's signs from a young age that this is something that you'll naturally have inside of you. And this is something you need to hone in on because your prime example of you honing on that skill of being able to talk to people which then led into sales. And regardless where whether the environment you're off, whether you're making two or 10 million you yeah, the PTA selling cookies. <laughs> it's just it's just naturally flowing out of you.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things if I think about it, and, and I was one of those people who never knew what they wanted to do. And my mum wanted me to be a nurse. Because at the time as well, you know, every black woman was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not every black woman, but you know, that's a what general. black women were known as being and doing because obviously they were, you know, that windrush generation that came in and beyond you know that came in to prop up the nhs so i was like no i want i want my children to say something else about me and so it's really interesting because i talked about you know being little and saying you've been down here before because i used to ask a lot of questions and if if you know me and my work i'm always talking about questioning skills and then you know i go into work and it's about questions and i used to ask questions when i was in um, customer service in in insurance and you know and It used to get me in trouble, because I'd ask, like, the why or the what or, you know, when or how. And, you know, (laughs) people didn't like it. And as being a black woman asking so many questions, it was an issue. But I've always asked lots of questions. That's just naturally been me. Sales is all about asking questions. And I've definitely taken that through my whole life. And then the other thing is I've always, I have quite a logical brain. So I've naturally... And this was in school. This came out. I was hypercritical. But I'm not just hypercritical. It's actually it's it's actually one of my skills. I'm able to tear something down to build it back up again. I don't just tear something down. I'm looking at how we can put it back together in a way that works better. So don't go to a concert with me or an event because I (laughs) I have a friend. We are like this, right? We're like, hmm. Well, they should have done that like that, and if they had put this at this, and then why didn't they do this? Don't know. If they had moved that to there and that to that, that would have been absolutely. That would have made sense. Yeah. So I can't help it. It's just plus part of my personality. But yeah, there are threads, and I think if we take moments out to consider, who so am I? What am I interested in? What do I like? What do I? What do I do? What am I good at? You know? What don't I like doing? then we start to recognise more about ourselves and then where we can best fit that skill set to be able to have the impact that we hope to have.
1: How did you decide to move into what you do right now? Because you're talking about impact and utilising those questioning skills, which is what you do a lot with the work that you do day to day. But when you made that move out of sales, now you're at home, you're doing different things, you're supporting David being a mother and... Mm. How'd you decide? You know what? There's a career here for me around the the coaching, running, and creating like Q squared becoming a speaker yourself.
0: Yeah. So back in 2000, you know, here's the one thing about growing up in church, and that is certainly in the church that we grew up in, is that you know you're always presenting always presenting always putting on a an afternoon program or you know having to lead in song service you know and be the worship leader and all of that kind of stuff. so always on stage doing stuff and you don't realize how much that hones and trains you so it just comes naturally to be able to do it and then the other thing that i think for me i'm always working and what i mean by that is and my friends laugh at me because it's like "Mm -hmm, you're working again because of the questioning skills, and I don't know, there's maybe something about my aura. I'm not sure, but people just come to me and ask me stuff, right? So I have been standing in Tesco's car park, packing my car, that shit, the boot, and woman comes up to me and says, Can I "Ask you something?" And I'm like, yeah, "Okay, like <laughs> random." Yeah, so yeah, because you look trustworthy, okay? And she's like, you know, yeah, well, you know, my boyfriend says that I am, you know, that I'm never going to find anybody else, and that I've this and I'm that. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> what the hell's going up here? You know? And then we end up with twenty minute conversation. It's like, mm, if you're asking me, a random black woman in the car park, you actually have your answers to this. But I did a coaching course back in two thousand and four. I wanted to do something. I wanted to have an impact. And it it was just coming out coaching at that time, like people really started to talk about it. I always had a taste for business. Like, obviously I'd come from sales. So what I first started doing was a bit of sales and business consulting. And then I did a coaching course. And through that coaching course, I realized, oh, actually, I still really love business. So I did more business consulting, business coaching. And then what I found in business coaching and consulting was that I kept ending up working on the person. I spent a lot of time going, I don't really know what I do. What do I do? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Confidence was definitely a thread that kept coming up. You do confidence. You do confidence. But I recognized that the business person often, the business was either thriving or failing based on their confidence mm-hmm. in themselves and then obviously that was then if they did or did not was seeping into their confidence within the business and that was impacting what they were getting obviously from a sales background I'm always about the pricing um, so <laughs> <laughs> if you ever speak to David I'm always, I'm pricing, like, pricing so that's how I kind of started going okay, so actually I work on the person in the business that's what I do And I realised this is actually more about confidence and I like to work with leaders. And so that's how I kind of segued from kind of like a, I don't really know what I do, come do a bit of business coaching. I did some coaching here, did some stuff on customer service, you know, and all these kind of little bits and bobs that I could put my hand to, did some sales stuff, wrote a sales book called Close That Sale, Seven Steps to Close the Sale and Make More Money because I got really frustrated that people, oh, sales can't do it, can't do it. It It's like, this is just relationship building, people. It's asking questions. And if you're not doing that, then you're not in business. And so, but I just was like, okay, I need to consolidate. I'm going to go forward. I'm just going to consolidate. I'm going to just decide what my lane is. And that's what it's going to be. And I'm like, okay, the lane is helping leaders to step into their own personal confidence, find the clarity they need so that they can be empowered. I'm a strategic thinker. So helping them to also think strategically and whether that's around their career, around their team or just how they show up in life. And so then I came to, okay, what are my three words? Clarity, confidence, empowerment, because if you can get really clear about what you do, how you do it, what you want to do, where you want to go, then you can build evidence-based confidence. This is not me telling your confidence. Let's look at what you've done that shows what you've got. And then with those two, you can be empowered to do just about anything. And last year I added another word. And that was with all of those like clarity plus confidence over empowerment equals thrive. I want people to thrive. I am done with survival. I have had seventy two p in my purse and a small ch- and two small children. I've had to learn how to make something from nothing. You know, my sister, my one of my other sisters is like this. You give her a couple of ingredients, you've got a three course meal, and because life throws you curveballs, you know, we had a child in private school. I could barely pay our bills. But because she got such a bad school, we were like, we're not willing to go out like this, right? So life throws you all of this stuff. What you have to work out is where do you want to make your impact? Like where and with whom? And then what do you have to make an impact? That's what I did. And then I said, this is my lane. I'm going to stay in it.
1: (laughs) Listen, you might have left the church where you just dropped a sermon. (laughs) because
0: boy! Yeah, I wish people would stay in their lanes. Would stop trying to be like other people and be who they are.
1: Do you think it's easy to do, though? I mean, you look around you, especially in the world we're living right now with social media and everything else. And you just, it's so easy to get distracted. And you're like, oh, that person's doing that, that person's doing that. And therefore you want to step into something that looks shiny. Whereas staying in your lane requires a lot of discipline and I think self-awareness to be like, no, this is me. I'm grounded in who I am and therefore I need to stay focused.
0: You know, I think that one of the biggest problems with our world today is that we're all trying, too many of us are trying to be like somebody else and it's triggering and it is actually impacting us so much anxiety like this new generation they're just so anxious and they're so anxious because they spend so much time watching everybody else and actually if you just did you and got really clear about you and were okay with you yeah and it does definitely require self-awareness then and you did you things would come to you like it's amazing it's amazing how when I said that's it. This is it. This is what I do. That's the message all day, every day, how my business has just flourished. It's just grown because my message is consistent about what I do. Like if somebody comes to me with something I don't do, I'll tell them that's not what I do. This is what I do. Oh, I could apply the, what I do in this way to what you've got. So if you want that, you can have that and it's not. It's all right. We don't work together. That's not a problem
1: how do you in the starving months when you're just getting started and things don't seem to be coming your way it's quite easy to be like oh that's coming my way let me just go through and do it because I need to get money how can you develop that actually you know what? I need to stay focused so exactly you just described right now this is who I am this is what I do therefore it comes to me I know I can handle it if not I can give it to someone else how do you don't conflict you between needing to get paid and staying in your lane
0: I think the truth of the matter is: look, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and what? Here's what I learned: quick wins always keep you looking for quick wins. Low-hanging fruit is often rotten. Jeez. And I can say this because I've been through the hard times. Believe me, I've been through the bailiff at the door. I have been through not having enough money to pay my bills. I have been through how we're going to feed the kids. I've been through it all. And I can tell you, when you continue to focus on problems, you're going to get more problems. Been there, done that, got this T-shirt. Mindset is everything. Everything. And when you get really clear, that makes a difference. What I will say about the times when you have to also examine yourself, like what are your expectations? You cannot expect to be a 6K coach when you just started, right? So hold your corner, cut your cloth, right? And that's one of the things that we do. We look at what other people do and we want that. And so then we try to emulate that, but we're not ready. And again, it takes time you know they say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success it does take time right it's taken us a long time but appreciate it I think that's the thing that I've learned is to appreciate those knocks appreciate the hard time get the learning because they're gonna underpin you later on like when you talk to clients and you have experience you bring that experience to the table. You can't bring what you don't have. And I think the problem is, is certainly in the last 20 years, what has been pushed is instant gratification. Well, instant gratification means that you get today, but you ain't going to have tomorrow more often than, than not. And instant gratification doesn't really exist in the sense that often it ends up in a lot of disappointment. So if you're re- running a business and it is challenging stop trying to beat everything to everyone we we went to the uk black business show we spoke a couple of years ago before covid and you know gail came up to yes. a woman came woman came up to me and she gave me she wanted to give me her business card and when i looked at the business card i was like what is this she said what do you mean and i said well what do you do i said because you've got 12 things on here i mean she had like flower arranging she had that she was a speaker she had that she did bespoke shoes that she did bespoke furniture that she could also do this with <laughs> so many things at one stage i'd memorized it right because i was just so blown away and i'm like hold on i would never come to you she's what do you mean i said i would never come to you. you do too many things i don't know which one you're an expert at i don't know which one i can depend on and so i would never buy anything from you you need to couple a couple of these together and say that's what you do. I think the problem happens is that we have this massive scattergun approach hoping that the net will bring in something and often what the net brings in is what we don't really want. Mm -hmm. You know? So that's what I would say and also understand it is not overnight. It takes time and also you need to have your systems and processes in place. Too many people are out there doing a business On email, on Gmail, in worse. And, you know, no booking form, no terms and conditions. And even if you can't afford a lawyer, then I get that. But you know what? There is lots of stuff online that you can use. But if you're going to, if I always say this, look like your money in every aspect of your business. I think that's most important. And that's not Louis Vuitton shoes.
1: (laughs) I was about to say
0: <laughs> no, Not necessarily You know
1: What's one of the most Enjoyable things About your business That fills you up
0: I love light bulb moments I love it When the client go Bam That's one of my big things Light bulb moments When they get it Like when they go Oh my god Yeah Or Oh my goodness I have not done that Like I saw one of my clients Have a light bulb moment And which was just like I have not owned my value. That's why I'm here. That is why I'm sitting here having to do what I got to do, trying to negotiate now and batter and chase and because I haven't owned my value. And the other thing, I'm honest, I really enjoy being on stage. I really do. I enjoy sharing gems and holding court. That's why the Compass Club came around. I love holding court. And I also because I got, I'm fed up of. Don't get me wrong, I do my work, I do my work, but I'm so fed up of seeing women, you know, downplay like mad skills, unbelievable, and not get paid for it or not advocate for themselves or not step into what I call their magnificence. It's frustrating. And, you know, I loved Wednesday. (laughs) The gender pay bot, man. It was just keeping shade upon shade, <laughs> upon shade, upon shade. When I tell you, I lost one of my friends, one of my closest friends, she called me she was like, man, have you seen this? It is jokes. And I was went through and I was just like, 52%! Percent. You're out there. We're you here for women. 52% pay, the difference between men and women's pay. 52%! I was like, you know, having like Then They deleted that fast. It's just so funny, and it's also if you didn't think it was, if you didn't think you were doing anything wrong, you wouldn't need to delete it. But yeah, mm-hmm. light bulb moments, man, light bulb moments, and I love it when I love to hold court, share the gems, and see how people's lives change because of that.
1: You mentioned the Compass Club. For those who don't know, like, break down what is the Compass Club.
0: So, the Compass Club helping you find your North Star. I had a couple of clients come to me over the years who said, I need to find my North Star. Late 30s, all through the 40s, early 50s, women going, I'm not even sure if this is the job I want to do. Don't know where I want to go. Been doing this all these years. Given their lives, grown up in a company, not being paid their worth, confidence eroded, not being promoted in the way that they should. And I wanted to create a space where women in leadership could go, could find sisterhood, could be empowered, could gain their clarity, could build their confidence, and could cross pollinate, to be honest, to end up building more women in these companies or finding other places they could go like yeah I speak to a woman over here and that means that I who works in this industry that I work in and her job her company's great with women and they've got some opportunities you know we can jump over the space is really about women supporting women and it's about growth I don't want anyone to stagnate. I want them to grow. I want them to see what's possible for them. And I want to see what they bring them to see what they bring to the table. Not just women, but people in general, we do something we do very well. We achieve it. We just move on to the next thing. We don't stop to go, okay. I just did that thing. Let me celebrate. Let me see what the learning was. What new skills have I gained? Look at the experience I just got. I'm a badass, right? We don't do it. We move on to the next thing. And then we go, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do this. This is, you know, oh, I'm checking on this thing. Is it too much for me? And it's like, because you don't quantify what you bring to the table. You forget about it because you don't give it any time. I want women to give themselves the time and the space to be able to see what's great about them. You know, what's good. What are the results? What's their experience? What are their achievements? And what are their talents and skills? Right. That's what I want them to be able to do. And it's their space to be able to do that. And what I built into the club is every Thursday evening, because women don't stop. We put ourselves at the bottom of the list. We are no the top. And then we can't understand why we didn't get to ourselves. Because when you got a long list, you never get to you. Right. If you're at the bottom. So my thing is about putting women at the top of their list because everything works better. Right, you know when you when your wife is happy, when she's had some chill out time, she's calmer. Right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. So <laughs> every Thursday evening at seven p.m., we have restorative yoga with Evon Her- Henrietta Yoga, and I've got women going. I never felt that rested in all my life. One hour. You know and it, and it's four poses all on the floor of just like if you hold them for 15 minutes of just like literally <sighs> the compass club is about women being able to take that breath and being able to find the support to be championed and challenged so that they can thrive
1: so like very powerful and a much-needed safe space that you've created. Yeah. Curious, stories, mm-hmm. what you want to start
0: in? Okay, I have a few. <laughs> so, my first North Step, honest, over the last year, I recognised I want to take down patriarchy. I think that when we take down patriarchy, we can then sort out racism. And what I mean by that is until you deal with the patriarchy, we can't deal with the racism, right? And it's not about gender first. That's not what I'm saying. It's that because we have such a patriarchic society that is white male based, we can't, the rest of it, it's, you can't kind of fix it if we don't get fixed that bit. But what that really means for me is helping women. We're 50% almost of this population. We don't work together in the way that we need to work together to make the difference. Like we could make the difference if we'd shift Tomorrow, if we work together. So that's a really important thing to me. That's one of my North stars. And that's about help and also helping women get their i am sick of this not getting enough money, being paid less than Chad, rubbish, right? That's one of my North stars. The other North Star is creating a legacy so that my children's children have whatever they need. Mm. And my other North Star, my third one is multimillionaire. I don't need to be a billionaire, but you know what? I'm capable of making multiple millions. And if other people can, I can too. And that means then once I do that, as I do that, I can help others. I really can. And then I can show them how. Because if nobody in the community has got the how, then nobody can teach other people how. So I want to share the how.
1: love that. I love those multiple stars. They are interesting. They all make a difference between individual in a sense wealth generation family community and the wider society as a whole they kind of like multi-layered i think i love that um approach just curious on the second one how do you feel about you working hard do you believe in then you've you've made your multi-millions do you believe in giving that to your kids or should they do their own thing
0: okay i'm a bit hardcore I think I'm harder cool than David. So reason <laughs> I'm going to choose my words carefully. I want to demonstrate to my children that it's possible. Thank you. I want to use all the trusts and different things that I can to make sure that wealth stays within the family. I suppose the next thing for me would be ensuring that you can have benefit from it, but you can't have it all. And I believe it's important for us to encourage our children to build their own wealth. I can't remember what the book's called, but there is a there is a phrase from "shirt tails to shirt tails" in hundred years, and it basically is about the fact that what often happens is generation one work really hard, they get themselves from being working class, and they build themselves up to having multi million pounds businesses, lives, whatever. Their children, Generation 2, benefit and they see the hard work. They may take over the business. They may benefit from it in different ways. Then they see that hard work and they appreciate what happens. Their children, Generation 3, are so removed from the hard work, they just see the money and they waste it. And so by the time Generation 3 have children, there is no money left because they just burnt it because they didn't know. My feel is that, yes, I want them to have access, but I also want to ensure that we build the legacy in a way that you can't just go and spend it off. Mm -hmm. We need to be adding to the legacy so that we can be like those families that have multiple generations of money where we discuss as a family an entire you know generations talk about what are we doing how are we doing it where are we going what's going to happen and and making communal decisions as opposed to you know yeah here you go here's all the money and i think the other thing about that is again is for me is there are you know my mum had alzheimer's and she died and she had it for a very long time you know, that's a society that I will donate to. I donate to another society, I not what it's called, for children. No more, I will donate to. I'm a, an executive on their board. DIN do it now now. I'm the chair of their board. They have a, a particular organisation called Africa XYZ, which is all about supporting entrepreneurs in Africa who are doing incredible things. So for me, giving is, is always going to be part of my life And I think it's important to do So that other people can I don't see the point of creating it If you can't help nobody mm-hmm. So it's a bit of both <laughs> In a nutshell 16 years later After I finished talking about it Yeah, it's a bit of both <laughs> I love it
1: Last question for you would be: How do you define leadership?
0: Mm. I knew you were going to ask me this. Come on, come I still didn't prep for it. Um. <laughs> I truly believe that leadership has two strands: self leadership. I think this is about leading yourself, and I think leading yourself means doing the work on yourself and getting clear about who you are what you do how you do it and the impact that you want to make it is about you recognising that you're forever learning and there is work to be done and everybody's got something to teach you so I think self-leadership is about directing yourself in the way that you need to go whilst learning on that journey you know you pick things up and you put them down you pick things up and you, you know as you're walking I think that leadership when it comes to other people is about recognising what other people bring to the table and helping them to maximise that as we maximise it for the corporates. And when I say corporate, I'm I'm corporate with a small C, not corporate with a big C. So whether that's you, you are in a community organisation or a church or a membership club or a business, it is about how do we help this person to grow so that they can impact the wider and then also how do i it is about me as an individual leader then being clear about where we're going and being able to communicate that in a way that takes people with us and at times making the difficult decisions because you're in charge Does that mean that you don't take into consideration what other people have to say about it? No, I think it's really important to recognise that you are just one person. You know, as you get older, you recognise, I'm in my 50s and I'm like, oh my God, I know nothing. Oh, there's so much more to know. And it's recognising that other people have pieces of the pie. So as a leader, seek to understand and then be understood.
1: What I define as an everyday leader is
0: you. Oh,
1: one who is trailblazing a path for other people, where you're using, utilizing the, the gifts and the talents that you have to make a difference and impact in the lives of others. And you're using your experience that you bring to the game and those gems that you're tripping at people. You're creating spaces for women based on what you're seeing. But you're also thinking to the future of how can we change things, not just for this Current generation for the next generation, the one coming up after that, and you're doing this walking well you, a wife, a mother, a businesswoman, and so many more other things. And it just goes to show that it is possible. And I've just like the gems you've dropped from relationship building to running a business to the self awareness and self discovery to even the struggles that you've gone through and been able to navigate from throughout this conversation has been. So 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 powerful. So I really appreciate you sharing and appreciate the the love, the joy that you bring. See the world because if you haven't checked out Madeline's like social media, yeah, she drops some gems, and she goes with some. She just some edges of yours sometimes. And <laughs> don't be fooled uh, by the stuff like, She comes with edges, but she does it in a nice way. Well, rightly so, because it, it needs to be done. Sometimes people need to get the the harsh truth. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's what you get. You know, if you want to if you want some change, sometimes you need someone to speak into you, not call you, and you get that balance between compassion and directness. Mm-hmm. And that's something I love. Then you hold that place really, really well.
0: I truly appreciate you, Sherpe, for the space that you've given me here today and for the love, the accolades. It's nice to be appreciated. I think one of the things that happens is when you're, I'm not ahead of everybody, but when you're ahead of people, you're always kind of giving back, if that makes any sense. So it's actually really nice to sit here, to have this conversation and to have somebody be interested in the journey. Because I think, again, people look at where you are now but they don't recognise there's a whole journey that's brought you here. And as I seek to look ahead and see who's ahead of me that I can emulate and gain gems and nuggets from, uh, you know, I hope that I always seek to turn back behind me and pass them down the line. But podcasts like this, spaces like this are really important because... As I say, you know, the older you get, you recognise, you know, nothing. Uh, You you know, there's so much more to know. So hearing other people's stories and journeys makes a difference. So thank you for creating this space and uh, helping us to look at everyday leadership.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, but in a couple of years I'm sure I'm going to get
0: the (laughs) kids on well. Yeah, naturally Our oldest has just been asked to speak for a university To their students About Mm. the film industry And the film and television industry Yeah, it's like It's so funny Because they do it naturally Mm. But I think if it's demonstrated Then it's emulated, right? So it's so interesting Just how they are they make me chuckle, but they are shady. Oh my goodness, those do those two in banter.
1: Well, you know, between you <laughs> like, come on, like, let's be real now.
0: <laughs> they never had a chance. That's the gospel truth. They never had a chance. I
1: remember when my kids were little, I was I was like, one thing our kids need to learn: is silence in this house. Like used to go to survive, used to learn to start. They did from very young days. I can relate to to your young house and what
0: else? Like it's a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but we laugh a lot, and I think laughter is the is a medicine. And if you're not laughing, then you need to start finding ways to. Yeah,
1: especially in the world nowadays, like you need it. You need you need to laugh. Just learn it all out I mean, just be got a smile on your face and don't just take it
0: out of your serious For sure. And most of all, you need to be able to laugh at yourself. Mm. If I think about some of the things that we've been through, if we couldn't laugh, we mm. may not be here. It makes a really big difference. Mm. And learning not to take things so seriously it, it, is this life or death? Is this that important? Mm. now? And I'll say one thing about money. It's great, you know, having, being able to have money is great. But you know what it is not the beer on the door. Because if you have breath, then you have life. If you've got life, then you have hope. And if you've got hope, then you can make a move, do something different. You can always create money because that's about mindset. What's important is your relationships, the one with yourself and the ones with the people who are closest to you. They should take precedence, because when they do, the rest of it will fall into place.
1: I can't think of a perfect way to end it today's podcast. Thank you very much, friendly.
0: Thank you.